Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy. Talk to Elliot Friedman before the uh, program is complete. It's Maple Leafs swinging a bunch of more deals today. Three of them, in fact, um, acquiring three players, sending out two. Uh, but let's talk baseball with former Blue Jay, Rajai Davis, uh, 415 career stolen bases, authors of uh, one of the most shocking, uh, thrilling home runs in postseason history, currently senior director of MLB on-field operations. Rajai, thanks for doing this. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate this uh, opportunity to talk about uh, what's going on. Yeah, no, I I appreciate you taking the time for us today. What does senior director of MLB on-field operations mean? Uh, it means a whole lot, you know. It means uh, it's a it's a big title. It means a big title. <laughs> That's good. I, I'm I'm just yeah. <laughs> I just really just work as you know as a, a liaison with uh, you know the teams and and uh, just build relationships. Yeah, well, it sounds very uh, very impressive. Um, so yeah, we're, and it and it looks uh, very impressive on a business card, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I I imagine you were instrumental though in 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 activating the new rules and, and coming up with the new rules. And we saw the Blue Jays in one of their split squad games today attempt three stolen bases. Uh, they were successful on two of them. I mean, one of the rules is bigger bases, which is supposed to increase the the appetite for stolen bases. How how do you feel about that one in the early days of seeing spring training? Well, I, I noticed it too. I watched a, a few games out in Arizona, and I noticed right when pitcher – when it went over, you know, that was an opportunity for that base stealer to, to steal. And, and I saw two stolen bases really uncontested. And, you know, they, they you know, it was, it was, it was a sign that, you know, the rule is, is really effective. And, 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 and guys who understand it um, are, 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 can definitely use it to their advantage. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely, um, definitely going to encourage more, uh, attempts, I think, and it's already, I think, doing that. So it's uh, it's definitely um, doing what I think we we wanted to do early. I mean, this is early, but you know, we'll see how it how it how it kind of plays out throughout the course of you know our regular season. This is spring training, though. <laughs> As a as a base stealer yourself, um, with these changes to pitcher tempo and the number of times they can disengage to throw over to first base, um, what what changes? You know, if you're at first base, you're a couple feet off that bag. What are you looking for differently? Are you changing anything with your strategy or your timing? Are you trying to bait a, a couple throws over early so that the pitcher starts thinking about it? Um, what's in your head at first base now with the the new pitcher rules? Well, there's there's a, there's a few things that come into play. First off, pitchers and they know they they're they're limited with their time, right? So their time is winding down. So they don't have as much time to even think or even hold as long as they they once did, right? So um, so a, as a base stealer, you're throwing that out the window. Then they can only they're limited in the amount of time that they can actually throw over and pick off to first base, right? So then, you know, there's a lot less energy I'm using as a base dealer and, you know, trying to get diving to get back, using all that that energy, right? So now I have a little bit more stored up energy and um, just to steal the base. 
And I know if the pitcher gets down to, you know, um, depending on the pitcher, if he gets down to, you know, two once, you know, those are those are those are great counts because now it's like okay, he has to come to the plate, and and he, and so you can anticipate that and get a better jump. So you know you're going to probably see a lot of one way leads. Yeah, guys forcing guys to throw over because once they throw over one time, chances are they're not going to throw over twice. And if they throw over twice, woo! <laughs> it's even slimmer for them to even come over the, the, the third time because the risk and reward is not in their favor. No, it's it's not. And yeah, and, and knowing uh, that it, a, a third attempt uh, of a pickoff and not resulting in an out means that you get to automatically take the next base and it's an automatic balk would certainly change the dynamics right. there. Um, what about the, the the base size thing? Because it's like three inches doesn't sound like all that much, but when you're when you're evaluating, like when you're standing on on first base and you're talking to the first base coach, like you guys are are talking about timings uh, as far as the the pitcher's delivery to the plate and then the pop time of the catcher, and you're doing the math right there. I mean, how how impactful is is three inches? Like the fraction of a second that it takes to 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 get to second base. Now with an extra three inches, like it's it's like using an oven mitt that's three inches longer. It it, it does it is a big deal with with, with bang bang plate um, plays right. You have about four and a half inches from first um, the, the difference you know from what it used to be and what it is now four and a half inch difference right. Um, so so you have that. It's not much, but it is a little significant. But I think the most um, thing that I would be um, is like when 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 runners are actually sliding in, right? They're gonna have more surface area to work with. You know, you you ever see players slide and kind of come off the bag just a little bit, so they have that much more room to actually hold onto the bag, grab for the bag, or even avoid avoid tags or whatever that may be. So in terms of, uh, you know, the, those four and a half inches and that changes a, a bang, bang play, did you guys discuss at all any limits on the uh, the size of the oven mitt thing that guys can wear? Because I suggested to Ben here uh, a little while ago that, that that's the next advantage. You just, you just kind of extend that glove out an extra inch, an extra two inches. Uh, am I, am I onto something here or would you guys knock that down pretty quickly? I have one question. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you got two pairs of pink ties? Yeah, know. you got, okay, so you got, so two pink ties, is that, that's so, what I just heard? You get picking out ties right now? Do you need two? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> that's okay. Listen, I have a pink tie or two. I might only have two, though. I think t- two is maybe where the cutoff is. Yeah, so, um... Yeah, I I uh, I lost my train. That's a, that's <laughs> all right. No, talk about the ties. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. It's um, all good. So, in terms of uh, let, let's stay on the pitch clock then for for a little bit, and we have heard from Chris Bassett here in Toronto that um, he thinks it'll eventually for some pitchers be as much of an advantage for them against hitters as it is a, a disadvantage for some pitchers. Um, you as a hitter, what do you 
make of those changes? Are there certain um, pitchers or certain situations where you think the pitch clock hurts a hitter more than uh, a pitcher or helps a pitcher rather uh, to frame that more positively? It depends who's pitching. It depends on situations that that is uh, depending on what, 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 makes the batter feel comfortable in the batter's box. I was the kind of batter who liked to stay in the batter's box. I like to get my footing in and keep that footing and, you know, stepping out would, you know, that would, that means I would have to create like a new footing. So for me, that wasn't, that wasn't it. So staying in the back batter's box, that works for me, you know, and and now you, you know, with nobody on, you only, you only have really seven seconds to be alert to the pitcher because it's 15 seconds on the clock. You have to be alert by eight, right? So then, <clears throat> so then, you know, we're, we're talking about we're, we're now, now, so, so hey, Roger, hey, Roger, hey, hold, hold on, hold on. Well, okay, you you can't just be doing something in the background, not tell us what's going on. So, what is happening? Are you being fitted for a suit? Are you working with your stylist? That sounded like a child, though. Are you, are you with your family? Yeah, what, what's, go, what's what's going that's on? It's hold on. Is your daughter yeah, dressing yeah. you? No, no, my my daughter. We're at, we're at the we're at the dance outlet, so we're getting we're getting um, stuff for my daughter. For yeah, her dance. We got dance competitions. You know, it was running late. We were supposed to be done a long time ago, an hour ago. We were yeah. supposed to be done. Things are running overtime, so it kind of gets into our schedule. Yeah, that's so, okay, man. Listen, um, the, uh, you know what? We'll, we'll let you get back to the, the dance competition. We do uh, appreciate you taking the time today. Um, but, yeah, best of luck to, to your daughter and her dance. Well, thank you. Thank you. She uh, She's definitely looking forward to it. She... She really likes dance, and it's a, it's a real full commitment because the way they practice. I mean, they're like now they're 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 going overtime right now, and uh, you know it's 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 a lot of work leading up to these competitions, and that they have. Um, and she's starting to travel a little bit now, so it'll be. Uh, it, it's it's definitely a lot of work that that she that she puts in, you know, and mom mm. has her. Practicing all the time, you yeah. know. Once she's out of school, she's out of stretch. She got to practice, so it's it's a lot more dedication than when I was nine years old trying to make my way to the major leagues. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's more. Okay. Well, that's that's. Listen, <laughs> you would you would know. Uh, all right, Raj. I, I, I yeah. enjoy being a dance dad. Thanks for this, man. <laughs> Thank you. All right, it's Rajai Davis. Um, he's also the senior director of MLB on-field operations. So, yeah, listen, he didn't plan on being with his daughter and getting her ready for dance. Said it was supposed to be over an hour ago. You know what that's like. Some, some, sometimes you got to dance. I don't have kids. I haven't done dance. I haven't You've been never an danced? hour late for something. I, I don't know You've how. You've never been I an hour know late how, for anything? I know that you are stuck for a transition out of that. I don't know how you're trying to put uh, running behind dance dad on me, the guy with no kids. Great dance moves, but that's that's private. Um, you are likelier to be a dance dad than I am. 
My children do love to dance, and if you follow me on Instagram, you can see them dance uh, on occasion. So, All right. Here's the thing, though, is that, it, yeah, that was a little awkward, but family is the most important thing. And okay. if you have been watching WWE in the lead-up to WrestleMania, you know that. You know that Roman Reigns is family, and the bloodline is the most important thing going. And guess what? The WWE is returning to Toronto on that road to WrestleMania this Saturday at Coca-Cola Coliseum. We're giving away tickets this week. All you have to do is tune into Fan Drive Time, listen for the code word, and text that code word to 59590, and you will be entered for a chance to win a pair of tickets to that awesome event. Uh, today's code word, of course, as I just kind of dug us out of that transition there, is rains. Not as in like it rains outside, as in Roman Reigns, uh, that jerk who defeated Sami Zayn at Elimination Chamber uh, last Saturday when I was there. So you can text Reigns to 590-590 for your chance to win a pair of tickets to this amazing event. Don't miss as Roman Reigns faces off against Sami Zayn in a rematch for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship, uh, along with lots of other live action from some of WWE's great superstars. Uh, giving away another pair of tickets tomorrow, so be sure to tune in then. We will do that uh, very much so. All you right. don't have a choice. Um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be tuning into myself speaking. Yeah, uh, uh, and you can you. also. I know your kids got the wrestling bug. You could text Reigns to five ninety five ninety right now. Try to win a pair of those tickets. I absolutely will. I don't. I don't think I'm eligible to win. All right, let's let's do a, a little bit of baseball here before we break, and then uh, bring in Elliot Friedman. Get back to the Toronto Maple Leafs who re- refused to stop trading people uh, or acquiring people. Today was the first time they actually traded people away, uh, but acquired three more players today. So I mentioned it. Um, Ricky Tiedemann made his. Spring training debut for this Blue Jays team. To me, that was like the the standout takeaway. This is the guy. This is the Blue Jays' top prospect. This is a guy who blew away the minor leagues last year, rising all the way up to the upper minors in Double A. Who's a factor potentially in twenty twenty three for a team that's looking to win a World Series. He looked like that today. He was he was throwing gas. He, uh, yeah. So per Codify Baseball on Twitter last season. Left-handed pitchers in Major League Baseball threw 25 pitches total Mm. that were 99.4 miles an hour or faster. Ricky Tiedemann did it today to strike out Javi Baez. First spring training game, not even ramped up, uh, still only 20 years old. Maybe the adrenaline helps you get an extra fraction of a tick on that fastball in your first thing, but no, no left-handers throw this hard. And he's 20 years old, and... Yeah, I don't know. I, I know the plan has be- everyone has believed it's start him at double A because that's where he kind of wrapped up last year. Let him get his feet under him, get him to triple A, and then evaluate as it goes. Uh, if he's going to be sitting ninety nine point four and striking out, I was going to say MLB caliber players. I don't know if Javi Baez wow. at the plate counts anymore. A couple years um, ago, maybe, yeah. but that's still- and uh, Austin Meadows too. Well, he didn't. I uh, didn't strike out Austin Meadows, but he faced him and he got him to ground out. Yeah. Left on left. Yeah, but Austin Meadows wasn't playing with Bitch Barner, so he's not as good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, if Ricky Tiedemann looks like this, and yeah, it was one inning, a million caveats and everything, uh, I might be tempted to just start him right in Buffalo and keep him nice and close just in case because that was electric. And watching his scrum after and just his demeanor on the mound, I know that this doesn't always matter, but there was definitely, you got some of the same vibe you got from Alec Manoa when he first burst out that he, like, he wants it. And he, not only is he, I mean, he's not even unfazed because he's positively phased. Like, he he wants that spot and he wants that opportunity. Uh, he seemed like a guy who was very excited to get his first taste like that. 
yeah, as he should have been, and Blue Jays fans should be ecstatic to to see what he had to offer against, yeah, a couple of nominal major leaguers and a guy that uh, didn't hit a single home run last year in Austin Meadows and Javi Baez, who, yeah, signed a big contract, but uh, his best years are well behind. 99 is 99, and the way he was placing 99 and the change-up away... And then and in the final batter that he faced? 13 miles an hour in separation between your fastball and changeup. As long as your release points aren't entirely giving away which of those is coming, that's going to be real tricky for hitters at any level. That is elite velocity separation. Yeah, no, he's he's ramping up not just his um, his workload as we head towards opening day. He's, op- he's ramping up the, the discourse around him headed towards opening day of the regular season. He's obviously not breaking camp with the Blue Jays. And even Alec Manoa, who looked as good, if not better, against like a, a, a lineup full of more major leaguers in Tampa against the New York Yankees in spring training. It took until May for him to arrive. Like it, I, I don't know was, if it's totally unreasonable. but And, and that was still maybe a little too early because he could be looking at Super 2 status. Mm. So maybe Ricky Tiedemann's more of a, a June consideration. Realistically, and, and we talked about this when we did the – uh, some of the prospects stuff with Keith Law and Dan Zimborski. Like, uh, if you're concerned about the, not even concerned, if you're just methodically bringing up the workload, uh, it probably makes sense for him to spend a couple months in the minors, uh, stretched out as a starter, and then join this team as a long man slash swing man later on if he's still performing well and the team needs it, which, uh, yeah, if he pitches anywhere close to this well, um, need or not, you're going to want to get that in your lineup. Um so Tiedemann wasn't the only guy to go today. What did you think of uh, weird um, pitch clock stuff aside, um, Jose Brios, that sinker looked really solid, a little bit more velocity on that as well. Um, not to do the whole like, oh, everything's positive about Kikuchi and Brios and everyone. Yeah. Um, what did you think of what you saw from Brios? Yeah, I mean, that looked real good. I mean, this is a guy that averaged uh, under 94 miles an hour with the sinker a season ago. So when you're, you're touching 95... Again, first day of spring, which is, yeah, I guess eye-opening because guys usually use the early days to ramp up towards getting to regular season form by uh, the end of spring training and the beginning of, of regular season. Yeah, I it's it's a – I don't know what to make of spring training when it comes to guys that have major league track records. Like mm-hmm. the, the Tiedemanns we haven't seen before. We haven't seen them against major leaguers even that is it can be fool's gold because I, I yeah Nate Pearson has has struck out you know guys at at uh, spring training level I remember when he made his spring debut I think it was against the Pirates and he struck out the side and looked electric yeah in like 1997 when Nate Pearson that's, was a first the prospect yeah that's exactly right and you know there were moments in what I saw out of Barrios it was the game that was not on sports and it was um, like down the street 15 minutes away in Clearwater mm-hmm. uh, against the Phillies yeah he was getting in deep counts which is not necessarily ideal. Uh, I, I, if you're going to throw the sinker 95, though, yeah, try and use the zone. Try and induce early contact. I will say also, you know, something I was thinking about w- watching Chris Bassett um, and uh, a couple of ground balls that snuck through, at least one in the Bassett start and could be an issue for for Barrios as well, the guys that pitch the contact, the, the lack of the shift, man. Like, second batter of the game in in the Bassett start was a ball that, was like a 15 hopper through the right side against a left-handed hitter that I'm, and I, there, I know there was a runner on at the moment, so maybe it's not a full-on shift, but yeah, probably one that gets gobbled up. I will say the Bassett start was almost more intriguing to me because we've we've seen quotes from him that he's going to try and use the the pitch clock to his advantage. We saw that right out of the gates. Well, right out of the gates, 
Danny Jansen, like first batter, has to go to the the mound and and figure out what they're how they're going to approach these batters, which is, I guess, a little bit eye-opening. First batter of the game, you need to have a mound visit. Uh, Yeah, and it's going to be a communication and a relationship thing, too, as well, where um, Chris Bassett joined Ben Wagner, Buck Martinez, and Hazel May on the the Sportsnet broadcast after he was done, and he kind of talked about how right now – the challenge for him, or, or maybe not the challenge, the focus for him has been communicating to his catchers. And that's really just Danny Jansen for right now because Alejandro Kirk, uh, congratulations, by the way, the the baby has finally arrived. Um, Bassett kind of revealed like, yeah, I'm, I, without saying it in these terms, he kind of revealed that he's a little bit extra when it comes to that stuff. And he's he's spent a lot of, camp so far um communicating with catchers about where he wants them set up for certain pitches and he's a guy who um dictates a lot of his own stuff with the pitch com we we heard uh that jose brios was using the belt version of it today but only um in scenarios where if he shook off the first two he called it from there yeah because you're under the gun yes and you you only have so many pitches so not everyone throws uh, 10 pitches like Chris Bassett. Uh, so I don't know. He He's an interesting guy to watch. Chris Bassett is also like top of the list of guys that I wouldn't really worry about results because no. he's probably out there trying stuff. Dude, he was trying stuff today. So second batter of the game. Um, <laughs> he holds the ball so long on before <laughs> yeah, the first pitch that the batter has to call timeout. One of his two that you're allowed <laughs> uh, as a batter and then steps back in. And then obviously, you know, you're, you're, you know that <laughs> You're um, you're kind of again up against it because you've already used one of your timeouts. Steps into the box and and at this point, Bassett understands that this is a guy that's not super comfortable waiting to to see the pitch. So waits the full eight seconds between when the batter has to be ready and the end of the pitch clock. Um, and then next pitch, just to mix mix it up a little bit, throws it immediately as soon as eight seconds is on the clock and gets a, a fly out. Like this is. This is something we should have seen coming. And in fact, Chris Bassett stating it explicitly that he's going to use the pitch clock to his advantage. But you can see for a a guy who doesn't have swing and miss stuff, who doesn't throw 99, who has to be crafty. He's not a crafty lefty, but he's a crafty righty that this is. Yeah, absolutely. You can you can see the mind game. You can see the game within the game when it comes to the pitch clock. Certainly. And we saw, you know, there are going to be different ways that this affects different pitchers. We saw with Yusei Kikuchi, um, without getting too far inside his head, maybe taking those decisions out of his hands and letting him just kind of throw. Um, you know, not not some guys you, you see and you're like, ah, you, you should stop throwing. You need to learn how to pitch. And then other guys, it's like, oh, maybe you need to take the decision making out of it and just trust your stuff and, and fire it in there pitch after pitch. Um, it's going to affect everyone a little differently. Um, I don't know that it's like we're going to take too much from it, but Bassett's certainly a, a fun early study. We'll have to see to, you know, one of the things I'm most curious about with Barrios say is next time out, what looks the same, what looks different? Um, because again, this is a learning curve for everyone. Barrios had that weird uh, catcher called time and they granted it, but technically that wasn't allowed. So that should have been a, a blooper, I guess, in, in terms of the the new pitch clock stuff. Um, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I guess the other thing from today that I don't think is going away is uh, some of that base running aggression. Yeah. 
Uh, caught stealing. That's kind of his mo after like the the great year of stealing bases a couple years ago. Has I, decided that he can't steal bases I anymore. He was like the the world's greatest base stealer that one season. Mm-hmm. No, he's lost it. But whatever. Yeah. Um. The, he's been touched by kryptonite. I, I suppose. Uh. Kevin Biggio stole a base. Kevin Biggio also made an unbelievable play in right field and then doubled the runner off at first base. It yeah. was uh, a. I feel confident saying it's the best play we've ever seen Kevin Biggio make in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, limited sample, but if he can play, I mean, shoot, I would have said coming into this year, if he can play an average corner outfield, that is really good for his utility because, you know, he can play an passable second base, an emergency third base, a good first base. Um, if he's ev- If he's even slightly plus in those corners, that's a really helpful, you know, if you're talking 12th position player. It's good. It was a really nice play. Yeah, outfield defense uh, going to be much improved this year. Uh, and Kevin Biggio probably doesn't factor into the math uh, that you have to do to figure doesn't out. Doesn't he, though? <laughs> I mean, maybe. I right mean, now, Whit Merrifield's the fourth outfielder. Is it that unrealistic no. that uh, an outfielder gets hurt or needs a day off and Kevin Biggio ends up spending a, a little bit of time in there? Sure, sure. It's it's not ideal. Uh, I will say... It's not ideal, but the roster is what the roster is. There's is. not, like... Nathan Lucas or Spencer Horwitz or Otto Lopez are on this team right now, and Kevin Biggio is a spot above them. So um, there can only be so many Bradley Zimmer roles where you play in 100 games and have, like, four plate appearances. No, it's true. Uh, Kevin Kiermaier, though, hip looked good. Uh, was run on the base as well. And he didn't, wasn't really tested uh, in center field. Then Yosfer Zulueta threw 97. Do you want to talk about 95-mile-an-hour sinkers? He was throwing one at 97 and in the zone, which has been an issue for him at the minor league level. Bullpen today. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that is a guy that you, like, I don't know what the, the problem would be having him break camp with this team. The problem would be, honestly, this is, and this is a late March conversation, not early March conversation, but all their... All their relievers are out of options, basically, yeah. except for Zulueta. Um, so unless you're going to send Adam Simber down, which they're they're not going to do, um, kind of got to ride with the guys who don't have options because that's the best way to maintain your depth over the course of the season. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we'll get back to hockey because that's what this week is. Talking about hockey. Trade deadline, 3 o'clock on Friday. Maple Leafs adding Luke Shen. They... Added Eric Gustafson. They subtracted Pierre Engvall. They subtracted Rasmus Sandin. We'll talk to Elliot Friedman as the fan drive time continues. Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. I mean, it certainly does change the mix, but that's why you want to prioritize character people. I think Kyle's done a tremendous job of that with anyone that he's brought in here, uh, you know, between Kyle and the rest of the management team and even players to a degree. Um, you know, they they do a lot of work to make sure that the character is going to be a fit, the personality is going to be a fit. Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy. That was uh, Sheldon Keefe as the Maple Leafs, the new look Maple Leafs will play, I guess, the new look Edmonton Oilers on Sportsnet, Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey tomorrow night. And um, yeah, a couple of teams obviously with Stanley Cup aspirations. One team having to go through a much tougher conference at the moment, but uh, a couple of teams that are that are gearing up for uh, the postseason ahead of Friday's 3 o'clock NHL trade deadline. Let's talk to Elliot Friedman. It's been a busy day for Kyle Dubas. 
been a busy day for Elliot Friedman as well. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Uh, I'm all right. So, yeah, it, it looked like we were going to get a, a Maple Leafs trade every, like, 15 minutes until, the, like, <laughs> uh, midnight tonight. Like, I... And I, I, I don't know. Is there is there more to come? Like, what what do you make of of this being a deadline unlike any other in the Kyle Dubas uh, tenure? Yeah, it's wild, man. Like, uh, honestly, Ben, uh, um, it was like today is just a wild day. You know, like I, I just looked at myself in a mirror and I looked disgusting, quite frankly. That's I not mean, true. I, uh, uh, it's it's just. I mean, it's exciting for the fans. I I, I absolutely love it for them. I, I am. I have to say, I'm. I'm a little bit amazed. Like you, you, and I get it. I understand it, but I have to say, I'm a little bit amazed. Like we've got a team uh, this year in Toronto that, in terms of points percentage, is the fourth best team in the NHL. And and you look at all the changes that they've made, and I don't necessarily think they're wrong. I, I understand completely why they're doing this. I. Um, I, they've kind of reshaped their group. Um, I think we had some questions. Like, I, I honestly think that if, like, I don't think it's as much as Dubis is like trying to save his job or anything like that. I don't, I don't buy that narrative then. But what I do think is he looks at it and says, we have a real chance to win. And I have to make sure I plug as many holes as I can. Yeah. And that's what I think he's doing. Like, like I, I like I, I, that's what I think he's done. I think he's looked at his defense and said, I, "If this was a team, if we could if we wait for a couple of years, well, maybe we wait for a couple of these players, but we can't. We have a good team now, and we've got to try to win now. So we're going to make the changes now." Yeah, and and they all like. There's very few subtractions. We saw the first subtractions today, and Rasmus Sandin was skating as the seventh defenseman so maybe it wasn't even going to factor into game one of the postseason and yes I know Pierre Engvall was part of a, a third line that was pretty good at what they were asked to do during the regular season but it's been not it's been a lot of additions not necessarily a lot of subtractions but like is there not a level of like indictment of of the roster you put together even with all you'd mentioned the points percentage and where they st- sit in the standings if you think your roster needs this much overhaul at the last possible second, aren't you saying that, yeah, maybe, maybe this isn't everything we thought it was going to be? No, I, I, think, it, I think what it is, Ben, is that, like, I remember when, when, when we first got the NHL rights, one of our ambassadors was, was Mark Messier. And I remember he came in one night and he said, he was talking about hockey in the salary cap era versus when, you know, he played for the Rangers and the Oilers there winning cups. And he said, in the, in the cap era, everyone's got a flaw like you. It's hard to cover up flaws because you can't buy your way out of problems necessarily compared to some other eras. So I always look at that. I look at every team's flaw and Toronto, like everyone else, they had things that's very good about them, but they had flaws. And And what one GM said to me a few years later, when we were talking about that, he said, yes, everyone has flaws in the cap era, but there are times close to the trade deadline where you can try your best to bury those flaws. And that's what you aim for. When you think you're good enough to win, you deal with your flaws through the season, then you get close to the deadline and say, okay, how are we going to cover up these flaws? And when you think you can win, you do this. Like, like I look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, I'm watching Breeze Watch. 
Do you think if Breezeball was the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, he would act any differently than Dubas did today? Not a chance. Not a chance. He would, like, you look at that deal he made with Tampa, with uh, Nashville the other day, and people are like, you gave up way too much, you gave up way too much. And I totally understand why Nashville did. I think it's a good deal for them. But I think Breezeball looks at it like, no, it's not a bad deal. It makes perfect sense for us because we're trying to win the Stanley Cup. People like playing here, and we'll figure this out. And I think that's what you have to do. You have to decide there, there's your lottery ticket buying years, and there's your we're going to win it years. And teams like Tampa and Toronto are in there going to win it years. And when you think you have a good team, and I do think Toronto's got a good team, then you have to take these kinds of chances. And the other thing, too, is like I look at some of the players they got, you know, McCabe's a multi-year guy. Lafferty's a multi-year guy. Um, some of them are rentals, yes, but they're they got, and they and they made sure they got a first-round draft pick back. Like, this, like, they didn't mortgage the future. They've got parts here, but I mean, will it be more challenging? Yes, but they're trying to win a Stanley Cup. But I think you, I think you have to go for that. Of course you do. You have to, you know, we, like you said, the Breezeball quote the other day um, makes a lot of sense and how he'd be operating similarly makes a lot of sense. Um, Elliot, when it comes to, you know, what Ben said about this is a lot of turnover and Sheldon Keefe, yeah. you know, being asked about it today and saying, well, you got the right kind of personalities for it and things like that. How much does it help too that this is a lot of tweaking and it's a lot of new faces, but it's also a lot of new faces um, that are filling spots a little lower on the depth chart not to say that achari and lafferty and guys like that aren't big additions because they are and mccabe's probably going to play top four minutes um but 12 of the top 13 leafs so far this year in time on ice are still here and still factoring into probably a game one playoff lineup um a little easier to be massaging those new lines new chemistry new d pairings when you're talking about the 12 to 15 minute a game range than the 20 minute a game range Actually, Blake, I will say this. I think that's the biggest thing that they have to deal with is not the amount of trades. Mm-hmm. It's about what's going to happen now. And, you know, Blake, I remember the, the, the first year of the Raptors, uh, Brandon Malone, he taught me a lesson that I've never forgotten. And he, he was the first Raptor coach, and he said to me, when you're a coach, and at, at that time the NBA was, was 12 to 15 players, he said, the most important, the, the only way you can survive is if the top four players on the team are okay with you and the bottom four players <laughs> on the team are okay with you. Because he said, then, then the middle goes with you. They go with them and you said you're okay. But if you have a point where the top, either the top four don't get along with you or the bottom four don't get along with you, then all the guys in the middle go to the people who don't like you. And then you've got a real problem. You can't survive. And I, I think the challenge is, like, I'm looking at this. What do they have, nine defensemen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, Like, there, there was a year a few years ago, and it's, it's a good question to ask Bruce Boudreaux the next time you have him on. Yeah. There was a year the Capitals, when he was there, went out and got, like, four guys at the deadline. I remember one of them was Scott Walker. And they had too many guys sitting around who weren't playing. And these were guys who had valuable roles before. And he said it caused them a huge problem. They lost. It wasn't only because of that, but he had really unhappy players he had to deal with. So I do think that's one thing that Toronto's going to have to do, clearly define roles. 
because if you have too many guys sitting around, you're going to have a problem. And, and I think that is a challenge for teams when you make too many moves. You, 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 like, is, is, is anyone going to change on the power play? Here, probably not. But is anyone going to lose a role that they had before and they're going to be unhappy about it? It's a fact of life, but you have to manage it. Yeah, very few people in sports media can break trade news all day, come on a radio interview, and then produce the radio program by telling us the <laughs> questions to ask Bruce Boudreau all in one day. It's, it's incredible stuff that you're able to Also making Ellie. basketball references. Yeah, do, do you have a take on the Raptors uh, waving Juancho Hernan Gomez and signing <laughs> Will Barton too? Do you, do you want to just do all of our jobs? No, you know, I really like Bo Cruz. It was tough to see. <laughs> I didn't like that. All right. Um, so yeah, I, I guess there's more. Well, there's certainly more moves to come in an overall sense, but I, yeah. it feels like there's more moves to come from a, a Leafs perspective. And maybe it has to do with like having nine defensemen, although and everybody says that you need like seven, eight, nine defensemen to, to get through uh, a couple of rounds of the postseason, which, of course, the Maple Leafs uh, are attempting to do the, the Jonas Corposalo being um, sat. Because of trade-related reasons, I really, I, I don't think the Leafs are doing a goalie. Okay. I don't. I've, I've, I've. Heard, that's a good question, Ben. It is. Thank you. I've looked. <laughs> I've looked around. I, you can ask that one. I, I think that's an acceptable okay. producer question. Great. Uh, but I don't think so. I, I've looked around. I don't think that's them. I mean, anyone can always surprise me, but I'm not in the under the impression they're looking at a goalie. Okay. What what are they looking to add then? Because like honestly, you look up and down the roster. Like okay, another defenseman would be a head scratcher. Um, I mean, there's some high level ones out there. Uh, they've done the the depth forward additions. Like, uh, if it's not a goalie, honestly, what else is there? Like maybe the, maybe well, they are done. I, I think one of the things that look, I, I think what we've learned today is you can't expect like it, it, like he could still do more stuff. I mean, God only knows, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's showing us that right now. I, I, I don't, I, I don't think it's put it this way. I don't think it's a goalie. I, I think if he's doing anything, I, I actually, I don't even know if I want to say that. I think if they're like the obvious move right now is he's got to subtract a defenseman. Like, yes, you, you have to have a lot of D, but you can't have, and maybe what's going to, it's as simple as, you know what, honestly, Ben, when, uh, Murray is eligible to come off the uh, injured list, which is tomorrow. Uh, maybe it, maybe someone goes on waivers. Mm. Like that's like I'm wondering because I think he still has to drop another salary uh, to to make it all work for Murray. So maybe it, maybe he moves someone. Maybe it's waivers. But you know what? Like my head is spinning today. Me the too. one thing I looked into was was there a goalie coming? It seems the answer is no. I, I, I'm not expecting that, but I haven't looked too closely at anything else that could happen. Oh, man, I wish we, we knew what you were thinking about saying, but then, like, pulled yourself back and then didn't want to get because, radioed. You know, you, know, you know what happens is, like, uh, so, for example, <laughs> the, the, like, so, for example, like, two weeks ago, I said Bertuzzi was off the market, mm-hmm. and he was at the time, and now I think Detroit's thinking about it again, right? Oh. So... So now, so people are in my DMs like you. You, you said Bertuzzi was <laughs> off the market, so it's like it's funny. I get a good laugh out of it, but it just shows you how quickly this world changes. So I don't like to make absolute statements. A hundred percent. People are allowed to change their opinions. Uh, yeah, facts change, and then yeah, the the reality <laughs> of the situation changes. All right, before we let you go, and you've been kind with the, yeah. with your time, and I, I think we're going to talk again on Friday. But we can't get enough yeah. of you. Um, 
So yeah. uh, Gary Bettman, I guess, is going to speak at, at 7 o'clock is what I saw earlier today. Um, that this, this memo about being wary of, of trading for players on LTIR and stashing them mm-hmm. before the postseason. Alan Walsh with a pretty um, straightforward tweet today uh, condemning that type of stuff when, when acquiring someone on LTIR and activating them for the playoffs as well within the rules of the CBA. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think that that impacts you know, teams' willingness to go out and acquire you know, a couple of notable players out there who are uh, the potential ads that don't count against your cap because they're only activated until the playoffs? Well, I, I, what I think is just overall, I think the league has tried to become... Uh, t- I didn't see Alan's tweet, so I, I don't know what you're referring to. I just... I think overall the league is um, uh, trying to be harder on long-term like usage. Mm-hmm. Like, like one of the things they're really trying to do is, is, is say... Like, for example, Nyquist, he's getting traded to Minnesota. They have a lot of cap room, so it's not a problem for them. They're not going to be a team that's going to have an issue with this. But I think what, what they're trying to do is say, okay, if a player's ready to come off LTIR, he comes off right away. You don't get to hold him out. Like, for example, let's just say that Nyquist was going to be out until the third last game of the regular season. Then the Wild could say, ah, okay, let's hold him out for another week. Like, who cares? Well, the league is trying to say, no, 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 we're going to monitor that a lot more closely. The moment this player is ready to come out, you have to activate him whether you have room or not. That's what they're trying to stop. Like, Mm. one of the other players I heard that about was Joel Edmondson from Montreal. Now, he's probably going to play this week, so it's okay. But I did hear that there were teams out there thinking, I can trade for Edmondson, put him on LTIR, stash him there, and if he gets healthy for the playoffs, we can use him then. And I think that's the thing they're trying to stop. Like, yeah. honestly, Ben, I am all for LTIR abuse. Like, Me too. I, lo- I love loopholes. If people can find loopholes, I'm all for them. That's the kind of thing that they're trying to halt. I guess. Alan Walsh, yeah. Just for, for, uh, uh, for clarification, Alan Walsh tweeted this out. Gary Bettman just making up the rules as we go along. What was allowed in the past is now going to be scrutinized as cap circumvention but yeah he's 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 never one to to shy away from uh uh, letting his voice be heard he is not shy no he's not uh elliot appreciate the time on a busy day and again we'll we'll talk to you on friday all right guys looking forward to it see you man uh elliot friedman 32 thoughts so does not believe that the toronto maple leafs are in the market for a goaltender not in the market for Jonas corpusallo who would be i guess insurance um, he's having a decent year this year, but we've been over it. He's a, a pending free agent as well, and you could probably get 50% retention on it. But somebody thinks that he's an upgrade probably as a backup goaltender. It's not the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, and that makes sense. Um, oh, I thought that, that I just saw a Columbus Blue Jackets public relations tweet, and I thought that was going to be uh, the Corpus Allo news. But no, it's just the Gustav Nyquist uh, news. So one one last thing, and I was just kind of crunching the numbers here, uh, as Elliot was speaking, in terms of the roles changing down the lineup and minutes crunch. So not only is Sheldon Keefe and everyone else going to have to manage that guys' roles are changing and there's going to be a few extra guys in the press box, but if we look at recent playoff history, and this is absolutely the way it should be as the games matter more and more, is the distribution across at least forward lines changes too, right? So you already have, say they made no trades. Well, the fourth liners were already going to see fewer minutes come playoff time. Uh, PP2 probably seeing fewer minutes. Defense 
defense pairing wise, um, at least in recent years, the Leafs haven't had a clear enough pair one, pair two, pair three that the the minutes were like kind of they didn't go as you would expect. They they basically cut down to five defensemen where possible. Um, so you won't see that as much on the defensive end, but there's a lot to manage there. Um, I guess the the nice side of that, though, is that if the chemistry isn't there or something doesn't click, um, maybe it doesn't have as much of an impact on that fourth line. Really, though, I think this is, uh, I don't know, it's it's a lot of guys worth more minutes than they're going to be getting or more role than they're going to be getting, which is That's great. good. That's what yes. good teams have, right? Yes. They have super, they have uh, players that are deserving of playing. Like, this is what we talk about. Like, like, listen, you can go play on a crappy team and get all your minutes, or you can yeah. get fewer minutes or maybe not get to play at all and, and maybe win a Stanley Cup. Like, we're going to talk about um, in a minute here, the Raptors game tonight where Fred Van Bleet's back. Someone's got to come out of the starting lineup and mm-hmm. go to the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be Gary Trent Jr., and that's not quote-unquote fair given how the play has gone, but it's about maximizing for the Houston team. Exactly. in the offseason. Exactly. So um, <laughs> in crunching those numbers, that it's it's mostly a coaching staff question and a, and a how do you optimize these things question. But yeah, on a, like look back at the best playoff teams and what you see is either guys who are transitioning down in their career. So guys who used to be first and second liners playing third and fourth line roles in smaller minutes and, you know, if you're an older guy, maybe going from 18 minutes to 13 minutes lets you maintain that level of play a little a little while longer, right? Because the the workload's less, um, the toll's less. And then you see guys who are ready to transition up. A guy who's playing a fourth line role, eight nine minutes a game, and then the next season gets that next opportunity and is playing a bigger role, whether for you or for someone else. Um, this is how you make a deep playoff run: is you have fourth line guys who on merit should be playing on a third line. You have third line guys who on merit should be playing on a second line and you have two first line caliber lines. And that's what they're trying to do here. And it's why if they can, you know, make it work around the cab, send out a ninth defenseman, whatever, if they can turn Alex Kerfoot into Alex Kerfoot plus 1%, that is going to be worth it because if you look at the Eastern Conference, that's what it is going to come down to. It's going to be uh, a bloodbath and any extra tiny little margin you can get between now and Friday at 3 p.m., uh, you should. Absolutely. You should absolutely listen to what I'm about to say as well if you like Guns N' Roses, which you all do. Guns N' Roses coming to Rogers Center on September 3rd, and today is the last day we're giving away tickets. All you have to do is tune into the fan drive time, which you've done. Listen to the code word, which you're doing. And then text the code word which, uh, you're about to do to 590-590. You'll be entered for a chance to win. Today's code word is my Michelle. Text my Michelle to 590-590 right now for your shot to win. Today is the last day we're giving away tickets for this event. But if you don't win with us, make sure you go to Ticketmaster.ca to secure your tickets. These are on sale right now. Um, you mentioned we're going to talk Raptors. We, we don't have a ton of time to do it. I would say that, yeah, the, the Raptors look like they're um, a play-in team at the very least, but they're kind of hanging on tenuously. Like, this is as close to a playoff game as you get for a, a Bulls team that went through a losing streak and then won two in a row, now finds themselves outside a 10th by a half game and a game and a half back of you down at Rogers Center. Scotiabank Arena, but yes. Whatever, uh, you know, whatever it's called. Yeah, it's called Scotiabank Arena. Um, 
Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a tight one. Raptors uh, a little bit favored, as as we'll get to in uh, last call in a second here. But yeah, it's a big game, and it's a big test because your defense has been better at times recently. Well, guess what? DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine are going to test how well you can kind of hang in on that. Um, you're also going to be working back in a uh, piece again in Fred Van Vliet. You're going to be dealing with probably a new starting lineup. Um, there's a lot going on there on top of which the margins are, are very, very thin. And you, if you are going to get out of the play in as they want to um, in a positive way, you <laughs> kind of start have to make that uh, make up that ground right now. You do have three left against Washington. So yeah. that three game set over the course of March will kind of be, you know, four but that's coming. Spot. Those are like back to back. This is like the yeah, three games stretch that will decide your play in future, maybe. And if not that, if it's still up in the air, you've got one left with Miami, one left with Atlanta, one left with Washington beyond that, one left with Indiana. Like you have all the tiebreaker games coming up. Um, this is, it's funny. The, Games remaining against mediocre teams feel bigger than the games remaining against good teams because uh, everyone's fighting for these last couple spots. All right, time now for Last Call, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Let's talk about that Raptors game. Raptors hosting the Bulls at uh, what is, I guess, referred to as Scotiabank Arena. Raptors minus 195 favorites. The Bulls plus 163. OG Ananobi point total is 12.5. Scotty Barnes, 15.5. DeMar DeRozan returning to Toronto, 23.5. Uh, Zach Levine, 24 and a half. Same as Pascal Siakam, 24 and a half. Uh, updated Toronto Maple Leafs futures, unchanged at this point, uh, plus 850 to win the Stanley Cup Boston Bruins after their victory yesterday over the Edmonton Oilers. Still your favorites at plus 450, sandwiched in between uh, Avalanche, plus 600. Hurricanes, plus 800. And that was last call, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Um, how much do you think Kyle Dubas is sleeping between now and 3 o'clock on Friday? Probably a fair amount. Okay. Wow. Do you want him operating at anything less than 100%? I'm sure the sports science staff has put him in some sort of hyperbaric chamber for this flight. Um, you know, Edmonton and Calgary, I'm sure sure the hotels will be nice. Yeah, you got to be your sharpest. I think there's more to come. There's more to come, but <laughs> those trades are going to be really bad if he doesn't sleep for three or four days. Good advice. Get some sleep. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye-bye.